Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, it is good to see you. Get the pleasantries out of the way. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and to our listeners. A lot to be thankful for, but I'm going to get greedy, Keith, because I'd really like to play this football game now. Is that too much to ask for? I don't even want to wait till Friday. (laughs) Well, and and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and our listeners as well. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, being on the roll that Florida State is, uh, particularly offensively, yeah, you'd like to go ahead and play. Uh, that may make, make uh, putting in and installing the game plan a little uh, difficult um, on, a, on a Wednesday, but that's okay. I was feeling so good after another game where they only had to play the starters for a half. I was like, let's just play a doubleheader right now. Let Florida just land here on their way back from Nashville and let's just knock this thing out. But I guess uh, FSU did as much as it could. It moved the game up from Saturday to Friday, which if Florida State plays the way they've been playing, that'll be nice to have that spotlight. I do expect – and. I'm sure you do too, Keith, and we'll get Bob Frante, our Osceola insider, to join us in a little bit to break this down in a little more detail. Uh, we will not see the Florida team that showed up in Nashville. It will be a different Florida team that shows up on Friday night. Uh, there's no question, and and that was a that was just a poor performance, uh, and they would be the first to tell you that, and Coach Napier would echo it. Uh, that will not be the team that shows up on Friday. And by the way, on our our um, then Saturday Sunday show. Uh, you asked me about Florida State playing on a Friday, and I told you that I, I, I thought I might have, but I couldn't remember. Well, it, it was reported. I did play on the last Friday uh, FSU-Florida game way back in 1979. I don't have much of a recollection of it, but uh, it's been confirmed that I was there. <laughs> Thank you for confirming that what you told us the other day, that you have no recollection of it, but you think maybe. You've now confirmed that you still don't remember it, but it did happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to old age. Uh, we, well, we mentioned this on that show, uh, over the weekend, Keith, uh, when it was first announced, I feel like there were a lot of complaints about it moving to Friday night. I've heard less though. There are still some, uh, I realize that it truncates Thanksgiving for people who I assume if you're traveling into town are probably having to come up on Thursday, depending on where you're driving from. Maybe not. I mean, maybe you're making the long drive on Friday morning and then still having, I, I don't know what the hotel situation is in terms of minimum night stays and all that, but it is a little bit different, but I, I've heard less negative about it than maybe when it was first announced well and as you well know and we've talked about it um the decision to accept the invitation to play on friday night tommy was not based on attendance and our fan base um and as it turns out with this winning streak it's based on a game that's going to be viewed by everybody from from maine to california from minnesota to key west and that is a little bit difficult for our fan base but at the same time you know, we're trying to rebuild the brand of Florida State and, and the things that this uh, program had done in the past. 
and playing on a Friday night when there's nothing else going on from a college athletic standpoint on national television. I know, I know the ladies will be playing in the soccer tournament uh, at various places around the country, but in terms of college football, it's the show. And so you've got to sacrifice a little bit uh, from your, your fan base, I think, and I think it's justified to get that national exposure. We will let Bob Ferrante opine about that. He's going to join us here momentarily. We're just getting started. It's FSU Florida week. This is Front Row Knowles, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to our good friend, Bob Ferrante. Happy Thanksgiving, Bob. How are you, sir? Happy Thanksgiving. You got the, uh, we got the stretchy pants ready. Are we in, in game plan mode for Thursday? Uh, I'll go first, Keith. Uh, unfortunately, Bob, uh, stretchy pants are a part of the daily wardrobe, not just at Thanksgiving time for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy larger belts so I could get more loops. <laughs> I'd run out of holes to, <laughs> to wear the belt with. <laughs> so that, that's a good update from, uh, from the front row and old side, uh, hopefully uh, one and all have a good Thanksgiving though. We were just talking before you joined here, Bob, about the the game being on a Friday night. And uh, in terms of people I've interacted with the last couple of weeks, I haven't heard much negative about it, but when it was first announced, uh, I did see some pushback on it. I, what, what's your, where's your thermometer on that? I have mixed feelings. I, I can see the positives. Obviously it's a national spotlight game. It's, it's, a night where a lot of people are with family and friends and they want to watch football together. And that's, what's great for Florida state and Florida. It's, it's a, it's a national spotlight. The challenges are for a recruit, a prospect who might be uh, still playing high school football, who might not be able to get to Tallahassee. It's not the easiest place to get to um, whether you're driving or flying. So with this being a, a pretty big official visit weekend, this one in Clemson, um, I'll, I'll be curious, you know, how many of those guys who said, Hey, I'm planning to come to Tallahassee for the FSU Florida game actually end up here on a Friday night. That's, that's a bit of a, of an obstacle, but I think this is a, a good thing to try. You see if it works, if the fan base embraces it, if they don't, um, and they will, they will speak up to the boosters and, and everybody else and, and Michael Alford. And uh, obviously it'll be in Gainesville on a Saturday next year. So 
there is time to uh, to adjust down the road too. How many? I don't even know. Where are we in the state football playoffs? And I realize when you're talking about recruits, you're not just talking about Florida, but aren't we down to the the semifinals? Probably. I do realize that the better prospects probably have pretty good teams, but not all of them. Some of them are eliminated at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're getting to the point where I think in a couple of weeks there's going to be some games at, at Gene Cox Stadium because they've they've done all kinds of splitting of classifications into you know various rural and and urban and things that I can't even get into the weeds on. But I, I don't know how many prospects this truly impacts. But I think from the lens of a prospect wanted to see Florida State win before making a commitment to Florida State or another school. And now they've seen the winning, they might want to experience a night game, a crazy atmosphere in Tallahassee. Do they truly have that opportunity? Are they able to make it here? I think that's just my my question. And, and is that a big deal for some? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and obviously for a guy like Brock Glenn, he wanted to commit to a program that was on the rise with some security in, in, in the coaching staff. And, you know, so I, I think that's one of the benefits of success this year is being able to show yourself off to the recruits. Now, Bob, Tommy and I went way out on a limb in our first segment because we are both in agreement that uh, the Florida team that showed up in Nashville last weekend will not be the Florida team that shows up on Friday night. I know we're way out on the limb on that one. I think that comes from the uh, you take Vanderbilt at what they were for decades and decades and didn't realize that, you know, Clark Lee's a good coach and he's he's recruiting at a high level and building something um, at, at Vanderbilt that you have to you have to applaud. That's a non-traditional power. I, I think Florida did clearly get caught looking ahead at Florida State and taking Vanderbilt for granted. The weird thing, though, is is statistically, just looking at the box score, Anthony Richardson had a, had a great game. Um, he has great games and losses. He has so-so games in wins. It, it's a really kind of weird thing to pinpoint because he's been inconsistent and erratic. You don't know what you're going to get um, out of both Anthony Richardson and the Gators week to week. But, yeah, to your point, you have to expect that you're going to get their best punch on Friday night here in Tallahassee. I did not watch that game, but I think the statistics were much more even or maybe in favor of Vandy through three quarters. And then a lot of those passing yards went up in the fourth. So it, in my mind, it sort of resonated like the LSU-FSU game that uh, all of a sudden it got a little more balanced as that game wore on. I don't know that, though. I didn't watch the game. But bringing up Anthony Richardson, so that's that's really, I think, where this game starts and ends. If Florida State can can do something with him uh, productive, then they're going to win the football game. And if they can't, then Florida is going to be in it uh, down the stretch. Uh, general thoughts on that first, and then I have a, a follow-up related to him. I, I think the, the game revolves very much around Anthony Richardson and, and Florida State's had, obviously, extensive experience with mobile quarterbacks this year, You know, going all the way back to, to Jaden Daniels and LSU. And I think they saw some of the best quarterbacks earlier in the year. They've certainly bottled up some, some guys with varying degrees of mobility. Let's say it very nicely. Um, you know, Garrett Schrader was not the Garrett Schrader of 2021, but Florida State bottled him up, um, you know, quite well. And, and some of us faced uh, Ja'Curry Brown from Miami sort of in a, in a part-time role when he was in the game. So, 
they've faced a lot of guys. I think they know how to use a spy like a Kalen Deloach. I think they know how to use their speed and 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 try to contain the quarterback as best as possible. It's it's definitely something that you worry about the, the, the what a mobile quarterback can do with his legs. But then you know when I, I kind of posed the question to Adam Fuller on, on Tuesday morning, you know what what is Anthony Richardson capable of? And he said, you know, he throws like a third baseman. He, you know, when the ball comes off that wrist, it, it's just fantastic. And he is capable of of throwing, you know, dimes out there and throwing 70-yard passes. So while he only came into this year sort of limited in his experience, I do think he's a runner who will look to throw and not just a runner who will look to run. Just to extrapolate your analogy there, the the good part about him throwing like a third baseman, Bob, is that Florida does not appear to have receivers that can stretch like an all-star first baseman uh, to to haul in the throws. Is that is that a good way to finish that thought? Yeah, it's it's not. You know, there's there's no um, there's no Kyle Pitts. There's no there's no electric tight end. There, there's there's not a lot of receivers that would scare you. And I think that's part of, you know, the deficiencies of, of where Florida is in, in a year one uh, with, with Billy Napier, but there's always that, that fear, that, that chance that you can strike, um, strike deep. And I look, I, I like Florida state in this game for a lot of reasons. I think they're far ahead as a program, as a culture from consistency standpoint, it's not just the momentum built over these last four weeks, but I do think when you look at that anything can happen in a rivalry type of situation, you you kind of fear a uh, an Anthony Richardson has a has some kind of phenomenal moments where he puts it together, whether it's you know on the ground or in the air or both. Well, I think the the the, the danger or the threat that he poses is that he is one that can run the ball 18, 20, 22 times in a ball game, you know, versus a quarterback that you only want, you know, six or eight or 10 carries. I mean, you wouldn't want Travis to run the ball 20 times, but, but Florida will allow um, AR to run the ball 20 times because that may all be all they have. Uh, That part scares me. Yeah. And, you know, not comparing him to, a, a Cam Newton in terms of caliber of talent, it's a bigger body that can take pounding. It, it's a guy who can throw the ball with a very, very strong arm, um, not always accurate, not always throwing to great receivers. Again, I, I keep using the word capabilities. There are capabilities that I think will keep you up at night as a fan, as a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, you know, Anthony can can very much scare you. I think you know, the other factors are they've got two really good, efficient running backs. And, and one of them is, is an, a familiar name with the last name ETN. And, and that's, that's a little bit scary when you see a guy who um, has some moves like his, like his big brother, Travis, up at, up, at, up at Clemson. So they've got some guys who can run. They're, they're literally one notch in, in the FBS better as a rush offense than Florida State. So they're right there. We, you know, that type of of ability to prolong drives, um, force it has to get off the field somehow in a, in a third down, third and one, third and two. Um, don't give 
Billy Napier optimism to to go for it on fourth down. We'll, we'll kind of see how much of that is a storyline, just like it is, you know, off to with Mike Norvell. So, you know, getting off the field, putting them in, in longer down and distance situations will will be pretty key and forcing them to to throw to convert first downs. He's listed at six four and two thirty one, by the way. So continuing with what Keith pointed out. Uh, and what uh, Travis is listed at what six one two twelve I think or six two two twelve uh, is he listed six one or six two either way I don't think he's either but I think that's what he's listed. <laughs> uh, to to your point, Keith, I could see this going two ways. So one, Florida State did run Travis a little bit last week uh, enough that Florida's and Florida would do this anyway. You always have to be prepared for Travis to run. But he may have had enough success last week that this week he doesn't have to run because Florida is so focused on that. But then the flip side is we've been worried when when Norvell went into this season without a another backup transferring in and just having Tate, the fear was Travis would go down. Well, we're, we're to the last game of the season. So if you wanted to roll the dice and run them 15 or 18 times, this would be the game that you could do it with with limited repercussions other than a bowl game, which nobody pays attention to anyway. So I just argued both sides. I don't know which one you guys agree with there. Well, I'll go first, Bob, but see, I would not do that for the sheer fact that I've got three running backs that are much better in game 12 than I imagine they would be in game one. If you follow that train of thought, I'd rather have the ball in their hands than have it in Travis's hands at this point of the season. Yeah, I think, you know, to that point, Trey Benson, 854 rushing yards, you know, averaging seven yards a carry. They've got the capability to throw, you know, a little bit of Benson. Uh, Trey Sean Ward is is pretty well rested, hasn't had to carry nearly as much. Lawrence Tofili has shown he's a better runner between the tackles. But, you know, still, my goodness, I love, you know, Tofili's uh, ability to catch the ball, uh, the way he adjusts and the way he has really soft hands. He he kind of screams slot receiver to me a lot of times. But but anyway, going back to the original point, I, I don't want to run Jordan Travis too much. I think there are calculated times where you need him to maybe go get that third down, go get that fourth down if there's a bit of a coverage sack type of situation. Um, you know, something that we've been discussing too is Florida's got a really big defensive front, um, especially they've got a 400-pound defensive tackle. I wonder if if you don't you know try to try to force some real tempo on them you know get get them really worn down over a long kind of eight nine ten eleven twelve play drive and just wear them out to the point where you can't allow them to substitute and just keep keep using the offensive line to uh, you know to win the line of scrimmage and continue to run. I think we've kind of been pushing this um, you know the success of the offense is to run the ball. We've seen that blueprint work week after week this year. I, I don't think you you break away from it. I think you run the ball to win and, and use that tempo and just kind of just wear away at Florida on Friday. Yeah, Florida's defense is where I think there's the most hope in this game. We've got about two minutes in this segment, by the way. Uh, for those of you listening, which would be anybody other than the three of us, uh, I didn't set my little handy-dandy timer, so we'll just have to do it the old-fashioned way and wing it. Um, to me, if you, even if you, it, th- this feels not completely like, but akin to the the Clemson and Wake Forest games, where in my head, uh, 
it, it, I feel like if you can get into the 30s, you're going to win the football game. If the offense is struggling and ends up at 24, well, Florida's capable enough to score that on you. I mean, is that is that how you guys are looking at this? Yeah, I, I hate, again, I hate to be like a broken record, but I, I, I felt all along, you know, coming out of that bye week that Florida State was better than all the teams remaining, that it's all about Florida State not turning it over, not committing the, the self-inflicted penalties. And really, if you can run, if you can um, dominate the line of scrimmage, and, and we've seen this offensive line do just that, I, I really think Florida State should be able to control the ball game. Um, I, I I see where Florida can get to Florida State, mostly through Richardson and the run game, but this feels like one that, that Florida State should be able to you know, take control early don't allow, um, you know, similar to Miami, where where this game was put out of reach in the second quarter, put away just about by halftime, and then you have, you know, one or two drives in where early in that third quarter, Florida State has kind of put away the hope of, of an opponent, and because you don't want to leave any open door of hope in that in that second half. Bob, I think a question that old older and uh, longtime Florida State fans would have is simply the question, is this defense for real? I'll tell you what, Bob, I'm going to give you about two minutes to formulate a response to that question. It's a good team. We'll start our, we'll start our next segment uh, uh, with whatever statistical uh, measures you'd like to back up your uh, and support your answer. We'll continue our conversation about FSU in Florida. This is Front Row Knowles. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the backseat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, we continue the discussion with uh, Bob Ferrante. All right, Bob, Keith posed the question. You've had time to... uh, validate an answer let's hear it i think you have to praise the forested defense for how it has improved how it has learned and adjusted we've seen improvement of the secondary uh renardo green's growth for example akeem dents um become more consistent i think we've seen jamie robinson starting off the season a little bit slow um, the way he's more physical and aggressive so when i look at the defensive improvement to me, it's not always about up front. It's more about you just see the growth out of the secondary, but then, you know, moving forward, what they do with three linebackers, um, you know, between Taylor Bethune, Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy, 
now having a fully healthy or as healthy as you can be uh, this late in the year defensive front with, with Fabian Lovett, Jared Verse. I think because they are healthy, because they limit the run so well, they're playing in pass, one of the best uh, pass defenses in the nation. It feels awkward just because of how the last two years unfolded to say that this is a really, really good defense. And there's been so much criticism of Adam Fuller. I think it's hard for for some of us to say, well, maybe we were wrong and maybe this team just needed to grow together through time on the field, through you know learning to lead, through bringing in transfers. It's, it's not a 2013 defense. There's a lot of things that you'd still like to see from it, but I do think we can see and appreciate the improvement in the group overall. And yeah, if, if they finish out with, with a big win over Florida, um, then yeah, I, I think this goes down as maybe not one of the better defenses all time that we've seen, but to appreciate just how far they've come. Well, and to, to answer my own question or give input to my own question, I think one of the things that has been evident to me has to do with Coach Fuller and the staff, given the fact that they were they were wise enough in the first two years to not put this defense in, in overly stretched positions. But then as 2022 got started and they started seeing that improvement and those DBs got a little better, linebacker play elevated itself and and then you could trust that front. I think you're seeing, just like on offense, you've seen what a Mike Norvell offense can do when it's run the way it's supposed to be run. I do think we're now seeing an Adam Fuller defense performing the way he wants his defense to perform, if that, if that kind of makes sense. I think it does. I think the ability to, to, um, to rush only four, the ability to play nickel, consistently to have your best 11 be four effective rushers two very good linebackers who can cover the you know side to side and and, and push up um I, I think I think this is a defense that that we will we will look back and say we were wrong in many ways about how we we felt like this defensive pass rush was not going to be nearly as good without Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas and I, I believe they have the exact same number of stacks uh this year compared to last year in one fewer game already. I believe it's about 33 sacks. So we are seeing an ability to not just hate the term shoes to fill, but they have found ways to solve issues. Yes. You lose Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas. Yes. You find not just a Jared verse, but you find ways to uh, generate pressure through the linebackers, through safeties. And I think the secondary play, plays along into that too you've, you've gotten some some coverage sacks there too so it has been fun to watch especially this last uh, four games I think the thing about the defense Keith and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks Bob uh and it's not it's not really quantifiable but it's it, it has to do with playing complementary football but more than that what Keith and I have touched on is uh when things were going bad the last few years the wheels just fell off I'm talking 17 18 19. Uh, this year, we've already seen that that if things go off the tracks, i.e. Wake Forest second quarter, Clemson the middle eight, uh, this team is going to fight back. So they're, they're past that point of thinking that if one thing bad happens, then, then the rest of the game is bad. But I think this four-game stretch has given them so much more confidence now that uh, I, I, I worry even less about that. I mean, I, mean, I feel like they don't – 
Keith, take what I'm uh, deliberating over in a lot of words and put it in in one sentence of Leesburg speak here, of Wildwood speak, excuse me. This is a team that now knows how to play, as you mentioned, complementary football and has great situational awareness. They know when it's third and short and it has to have a stop. They know when it's sudden change, they've got to mentally refocus. They know that they've got to win first down so that you create an offense that's behind the change. And I've never used the word, Coach Norvell introduced me to it, but that situational situational awareness is very, very pronounced with this defensive unit right now. Yeah, they've 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 played well across the board. Um, let, let's go back to the quarterback conversation real quick, not as it relates to this game. I find it fascinating, though, that uh, all we've heard, not all we've heard, much of the Anthony Richardson talk has been about how high is he going to go in the NFL draft. And then on the Jordan Travis side of the ledger, the conversation is, and this is Florida State fans and wishful thinking involved, too, is, well, he's not really good enough for the NFL. He needs to come back for one more year. And and when you look at the stats and you look at the tape, every bit of it feels like it's completely about the tape measure and the scale uh, in, in terms of the height and the dimensions that we mentioned before. Because if you were just basing it on what you've seen, uh, Jordan Travis would be the higher projected guy right now. But then obviously that's not the way the pro leagues work. Yeah, I like everything that Jordan Travis brings to the table. And I think, you know, I, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure we've seen the evolution of a Florida State quarterback quite like this from this true, you know, run first novelty to potentially one of the top 10, 15 quarterbacks in the country. I, I think he's got a, quite a decision on his hands that might be impacted by in part NIL money, in part by what the NFL teams say to you in terms of your draft stock. I don't know where he would be drafted. I haven't given it a ton of thought. Can he Can he maybe improve himself by coming back for another year? I, I think you could argue he could make this team considerably better if he chooses to come back because of his experience, his leadership, his ability to pass. My conspiracy theory, I've argued, which is is not really related to your question, but if the XFL were looking for a marketable star in year one, put him on the Orlando franchise and pay him an absurd amount of money and pluck him from the college ranks. But really he can make a good NIL amount of money through his current setup of selling t-shirts and appearance fees and whatnot. He could probably equal what a practice squad NFL quarterback might make. And he has a chance to play in 2023 if he chooses to come back. I'm torn on it. I can argue it either way. He's already graduated. He's an older player. I can see why he might want to move on to pro football, but I can also see where he can choose to come back, be a leader. And could you see Florida state being a potential preseason ACC favorite because of a guy like Jordan Travis coming back? And I think those are sort of, I think part of the pitch that if you're a Mike Norvell, you look at Jordan and say, this is what's on the table in front of you. If you choose to stay in Tallahassee. Well, I think all Seminole Nation would, would, you know, literally not beg, but strongly ask, you know, please consider staying. You know, guys, two things that jump out at me or two two names that jump out at me as we wrap this up and talking about uh, Richardson and, and Travis 
when I look at AR, I think of Dante Culpepper. And, and when I look at when I look at Jordan, I've, it's taken me a while to do this, but when I look at Jordan, I see Drew Brees. Hmm. And I'm just wondering what we're going to say 10 years or 12 years from now relative to those two kids. Well, those it's are both pretty lofty names who made a lot of money at the NFL level. I, I think Anthony Richardson would probably take Dante Culpepper's career earnings and Jordan Travis would certainly take Drew Brees' career. <laughs> if you're going to call it, if you give him that choice right now. I think you could I, argue that both of them should come back to college, honestly. I, I mean, I get the prototype argument with Anthony Richardson, but coming into the year with 65 college passes, and then we saw the interceptions, he, you know, his his season was front-loaded with interceptions. So he just doesn't have enough time, truly, as, as a college quarterback from a developmental standpoint. And what does the NFL not want to do? The NFL does not want to spend any time developing quarterbacks. Those are head coaches who need to win now to keep their jobs. So I, I think it it's a great opportunity for both of them really to, yes, go against the grain, but use the NIL opportunity to stay on a college campus. And Bob, there's a lot of validity to that. I, I don't think we understand what NIL can or will do in the next two, three, five years. Uh, but my, I'm, I'm grinning from the standpoint that I would just throw back at you. And we all know that statistics and numbers can be screwed either way. But, you know, I remember uh, Charlie Ward throwing eight interceptions in his first two games. And I remember Chris, Chris Winky throwing six interceptions in one game. So I'm not sure I'm ready to check out on Anthony Richardson because of interception problems earlier in the year. Uh, but I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just uh, that that's what pops in old people's minds when we think about things like this. Well, in your case, Keith, we never really know what's going to pop into your mind. This time it happened to be related to the current topic at hand. So that is appreciated. Bob, you let's just can't start... help yourself. Can you Tommy? You I, just, you, you just put it yourself. on it. You put it on a Thanksgiving platter for me sometimes, Keith. And I just have to, and you're the turkey to that eat. took it. You put and it there. I got to eat. And you're the turkey that took it. Bob, let's just uh, assume for the sake of this final question that Jordan is not back next year. With the news this week that uh, Brock Glenn is now committed to FSU, does does Florida State go find somebody in the portal still? Do they come back with Brock plus the two they have on the roster? How do you think that plays out? I think you let this thing unfold on the field. You need to grab as many quality quarterbacks as possible. I would definitely look at the portal and you're an attractive program, potentially with nine regular season wins, maybe a 10th with the bowl transfer quarterbacks will want to come here. They will have seen what Jordan Travis has done, how he has been developed by the Florida state staff. It will be a very popular spot for a guy to land with all due respect to, to Duffy and Rodemaker. We've seen a development. We've seen open practices for 18 months now uh, since COVID they're still in the developmental stage. You can see a path where they can make a big jump between now and next August. But do you have that confidence as a coach, as a coaching staff, that that's my guy? Have I seen it right now to say that? I just don't think so. Do you want to put a Brock Glenn out there in, in year one? And you know, we, we've seen a few instances. The, the kid at North Carolina right now, Drake May, is is kind of um, going against that true freshman success storyline. Um, yes, true freshmen can have success as quarterbacks in college football. 
I don't think you want to put them out there in an ideal scenario. It's definitely a, a much better call to, to look at the transfer portal pretty well. And, and I think also um, you don't want to go into a season only having three scholarship quarterbacks. When you have one injury, then who knows what else happens after that. It doesn't really work as well. I think Mike Norvell rolled the dice. It was a good call on his part. I just don't think it's a, it's a good plan year after year. You definitely want to look at the portal, I think, in, in his case. All right, Bob, we'll let, let you get going. Uh, enjoy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll all walk to the stadium on Friday to feel better about uh, what we do on Thursday. And uh, we'll look forward to Friday Night Lights at uh, Doe Campbell Stadium. All right, take care. All righty, back to finish up Front Row Knowles right after this. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if Auto Owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. A few minutes to go here to, to finish things up. So, Keith, uh, to summarize... You feel good or you feel the same as you do every time FSU plays Florida, which is let's just hope that after 60 minutes, the right team is on the right side of the scoreboard. Uh, much more of the latter than the former. I've just been around for a long time, as many of our listeners have. And when it comes to Miami and it comes to Florida, and now you can kind of add Clemson to it. Uh, these games uh, seem to take on their own personality. And... Um, you just got to play them and it's usually got to play them for 60 minutes. And usually the, the, the way that the outcome comes about is not even anything we ever thought about. Well, that's true. Well, Florida state, uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm much more like you, so I'm not going to be overconfident, but, uh, this, this Florida state team, I, I thought that they could potentially run the table after the bye week but I didn't think it would look like what it's looked like. And I realized that they got breaks with the opposing quarterbacks, but even offensively, I mean, they basically sputtered around for a drive or two against Georgia tech. And since then they've just been humming and there's been no signs of slowing down. Even when they haven't looked that crisp, like we talked about over the weekend, they didn't throw the ball that well last week against Louisiana. I know it's Louisiana still found a way to turn it into points and, and score in the red zone. So uh, I just like the parts and pieces offensively, especially. I'm looking forward to that matchup for sure. Agreed. And I, it speaks to what, what Coach Norvell has been preaching since day one, and that's, you know, the rebuilding of the program and the foundation and the climb and 
you know, the 1% and all the other buzzwords, but when you say them enough and you get, uh, you hear them enough and you practice them enough, then they become part of your way of doing things. And uh, this concept of coming to work every day and, you know, we've talked about, and it's probably unique. I'm sure it'll be a while since we have another group like this one that really has an affection for one another. Uh, the offense and the defense gets along. They're now playing that complimentary football that we've talked about. Um, they truly are invested in each other and, and are looking out for the best interest of their teammate. You know, that doesn't always happen. Those are special times. Uh, but you build that so that when the, you get the right group of kids in, that that atmosphere can grow. And we've certainly seen that here in 2022. So they threw the wildcat out last week, Keith. What what might they do off of that besides just have Trayshawn Ward run? Or is that just purely let's let Florida spend a lot of time this week? I mean, it's really just a power run game. I mean, you're just putting in a running quarterback. Florida could run the same thing with Anthony Richardson. We wouldn't call it the wildcat, right? Correct. You know, I think it has to do with if if if, if Wyatt Rector was running it, then I would say that there's the possibility for some passing off of it. Uh, but I'm just not sure how much passing uh, any of those three running backs or whoever they choose to use in the Wildcat can do that. You know, it's one of those things you've heard the stories before. For me, they were, they went back to the Green Bay Packer days when uh, you had Fuzzy Thurston and, and, and Kramer and those guys on the offensive line. And literally, they would come up and they would tell the defensive linemen, we're going to run the ball right here, and there's not anything you can do about it. And I think there's a little bit of that mentality when Florida State runs the Wildcat, the way it is perceived now, is it's going to be a running play, uh, but you're not going to be able to stop it. And, and maybe just maybe that's the reason behind it. I don't know. Well, for Florida State, it would be counter more than Wildcat. We're, we're about to run counter again. So here we go, True. We'll get, and we'll get seven yards, and uh, then we'll snap the ball. We may take a shot on second and three, or we may just run counter again for another eight yards, you know. I mean, that's that's the way they've done things. I'm looking forward to the game. It's It's been a fun year. This has been one of the, the more fun teams to cover. I don't know. I feel like fans feel that way, too. Uh, it's always the, the years when you have lower expectations and the expectations get exceeded are always more enjoyable. For example, and I hate to do this now, if Jordan Travis comes back, Keith, next year, Florida State will be picked to win the ACC. They'll Things be will be off the go- charts. It'll be off the charts. And so if you stub your toe, say, against LSU next year, then we just go through the what is wrong with the team. Jordan should have moved on. Like, you know exactly where those conversations go. This year, and especially right now, I feel like this is house money. Florida State got to eight wins already. Yeah, obviously you want to beat your rival and you could claim that you beat Florida and Miami in the same year. But I mean, they have they they've exceeded what people expected was going to happen this year. And they they haven't just exceeded in terms of wins. They've exceeded it in terms of the way they play, the way they have fun, the way they look, the way they can uh doesn't matter whether it's run, pass, some trickery. I mean, it's just been it's been fun to watch. We talked about uh the last couple of years and even maybe the last year of Coach Taggart. Man, man, we just got to pass the eye test. Let's don't even worry about what the score is. Let's just let's just play a complete a complete game, and let's not have thirteen penalties, and let's not have four turnovers, and let's not look like we don't know what we're doing. Let's just pass the eye test. Well, not only has this team passed the eye test, they've now passed the points on the scoreboard test. 
And so, yes, there's a lot of anticipation. I think appropriate um, caution because, uh, you know, Florida's got good players. Uh, they, they've, they've shown the ability to play well. Coach Napier is a very good coach. His staff knows what they're doing. They're going to come in focused. It's not going to be a Vanderbilt game. Uh, it's not going to be a Miami or a, or a, or a, or a Louisiana game. You're going to have to play for 60 minutes. But I like, the, I like the where this team is. I like the way they're focused. I certainly think they'll win the ball game. All right, and uh, back to where we started. I certainly think that I will probably overeat on Thursday. Keith, uh, to you and Kathy and your family, once again, happy Thanksgiving. To our listeners who've uh, been with us for a while at this point, uh, this is wrapping up year nine, I think, of this. Thanks, as always, and happy Thanksgiving to you folks as well. And we'll uh, talk to you over the weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.